Hey everybody, welcome to Baffling Cyclops. I'm David. And I'm Pepper Proxy. Wow, sultry, <laughs> sultry proxy that today. That's my Halloween voice. <laughs> oh, I thought that was your, um, your, uh, sounding sexy voice. No, well, maybe it is. I was trying for spooky season. Have you noticed? The reason why I did it was because, um, I think they've changed the name of Halloween to spooky season. Hmm. Have you noticed that? No. It's kind of your industry. I thought you would. No, I don't follow spooky season. I don't know spooky season. <laughs> I don't know spooky seasoning. Um, well, that's called pumpkin spice, I think. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, anyway, it's something to kind of be on the lookout for because I've heard multiple people say it's spooky season. And I think it could be, you know how Hallmark made up holidays? Mm -hmm. It could be like an industry term to um, sell more stuff. Lengthen the Halloween season. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe people um, don't really want to recognize Halloween because they're weirdos. I don't know. So they call it spooky season. <laughs> I don't get the whole spooky season thing, but whatever brings out more monsters, I'm I'm cool with it. Me too. I think it's a I think it's a good thing. All right. I'm pro vampire. We. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. You are. Well, fake vampire. Are you pro George Burns? He's he was gone. We just went back. Yeah, he's somebody picked snatched him up. Somebody snatched up George Burns in his coffin box. <laughs> yep. And uh, with his cigar permanently attached to his little teeny tiny George Burns doll hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, did, if okay, let me. You know ask what you I said when I saw it was gone. What? Good night, Gracie. Ha. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this: If George had still been there, would you have gotten him? Yeah. Okay. You just wanted to visit him. But we did find one gem at the Goodwill this week. It was quite a gem. <laughs> Which we didn't realize what we had at first. But you uh, you said right before we left, because we were on our way out the door, you were like, can I look at this rack of dresses in the back? Yeah, so it is um, it is a, a tall rack um, that... Because there are like regular dress racks, right. but the tall ones often have like maxi dresses, um... And also suits, like old, like vintage Albert Nippon suits that you never would want to wear. Like even if you like vintage style, they're hideous. But sometimes I like to look there because um, right now I like I can resell certain styles of jackets, like sports mm -hmm. blazers that are um, like herringbone or tweed. Um, I think it's called dark academia the style is mm -hmm. um so that's why i wanted to go look at that rack because it was like oh and the other reason is because our goodwill the world's largest goodwill um gets the dime outs from target and i don't know and dime outs are just when like the company um marks out a stock their inventory and then they donate it you, you get a write-off for it so I'm not sure if every Goodwill gets um, 
the dimeouts from Target's all over the country, but ours certainly does and gets a lot. Yeah, and we even see like all the holiday stuff from Target like right after the holiday is there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't shop Target very much. Like, I'm not against Target, but it's I, I haven't had much luck finding things. But they did a collaboration. Um, with, you know, they do these collaborations and there were some dresses that I really liked that were very bright, very vivacious and awesome prints, um, that I didn't think anybody was going to buy. I'm like, oh, I want to always keep looking back because I bet you our Goodwill gets that inventory from Target. So, and they would put it on that rack. So that's why we headed over there. Right. And so we went back there. And you found um, some overalls. <laughs> a, a pair of really big overalls with scoop sides. Yeah, they're deep scoops. They're, um, yeah, deep. They're pinstripe overall, wide pinstripe overalls, um, and they have it, it, even more so than the scooped sides. They have ginormous legs. Mm-hmm. And pockets. Very large pockets and many pockets. Yeah, and and very um, pronounced stitching. Yeah, all of that is true. <laughs> On the front, like it's yeah. very presentational stitch, stitching. Yes, all of this is true. And uh, you, you were attracted to it. <laughs> well, let me say, I was very much attracted to these overalls. Even though I have quite a few pair of overalls and coveralls, um, and I know like it's no, no longer like the trend or the style, but I could give two rats ass about that. I just like them. Um, so I was attracted to them anyway. Um, but then when I noticed this other shopper who had incredible style, she was wearing a vintage Western style shirt, um, super cute, um, high rise vintage Wrangler jeans. She just had it all going on. She looked great. Um, she was like circling the wagon wagons when I was looking at these right. over these, these overalls. And then when we looked inside, we saw that they were actually, uh, costumes <laughs> from a play at, uh, Seattle's children's theater. <laughs> they were um for the play give the give a mouse a cookie and um yes and then he wants to drink a milk or something like that <laughs> yeah but give it's a based mouse on a, cookie. a children's book right yeah and so there was a man who was playing a mouse in the play that wore these overalls yes he was a larger well he wasn't a small man no, it wasn't like a little teeny tiny man. No. But on you, the overalls are very uh, oversized. Pronounced and, oversized. And cute. So they oh, were like thanks. they were thanks. like baggy overalls. And so I found a picture of the actor wearing the overalls yeah. on the internet, showed them to you, and you were like, uh, okay. But well, you know really, that I- it was the other shopper. It was the other shopper, but I do have to say the uh, that actor... Um, his big role was he played Aladdin on Broadway. Oh. Yeah. They, that's a, probably a good role for him after seeing him. He looked, uh, uh, yeah. he looked the part. Yeah, and the, the stills from the Seattle production of Give a Mouse a Cookie, I think that's what it's called, 
It, they, it looked like a fun show. The yeah. sets were great. The costumes especially. Yeah. Very cute. Yeah. And now you have that. Are you going to wear it? Uh, that's hard to... I don't know. So... I you took a pic, a photo of me um, with the a cute photo. Oh, yeah, thank you. The thing that was interesting to me is they appeared to have been freshly dry cleaned. Yes. But you know, I clean everything. I sanitize everything once it yeah. comes home, and I need to figure out. And they were how, clean too. They weren't like super clean, dirty yeah. at all. And it seemed like they were. You can tell when stuff's yeah. been dry cleaned. Um, they look like they were cleaned for storage. Like they were going to put them in storage agreed. and they cleaned it and then they cleaned out storage and they didn't yeah. clean them again. Yeah. But yeah. Agree. I, I agree. So I'm going to have to figure out how, how I'm going to like sanitize them here. Um, but I feel like no matter how I style them, I will feel like I'm wearing a costume of, from a, a, a children's play featuring a mouse. But but you're in a, you would be adorable as a mouse. But thank you. So I'm pushing for a middle-aged mouse. I'm pushing for the mouse overalls. Um, I thought you could wear them to volunteer. Um, I well, I don't think our listeners know that I volunteer at the food bank, but um, <laughs> I could. Um, but they already think I'm a weirdo there. This would just kind of be like the tipping point, I think. <laughs> well, I think you look cute. So Thank you had you. said you might wear them to give out candy on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll start with. Um, I don't think it's called Halloween anymore. I think it's called Spooky Season. Oh, I'm sorry. You were going to give. Uh, you were going to give out pumpkin spice on Spooky Season. Yeah, the we have to get some big size pumpkin spice something so we can hand them hand the treats out. Um, to Blondie and Brother and the other children visiting us during spooky season. And there were a lot of uh, pumpkin and pumpkin spice products at Trader Joe's when we went there today. Yeah, we went there because I was so curious about it. Yeah, they even had like uh, pumpkin pasta sauce and stuff that was crazy to me. Yeah, you know, the the term that the, they say on um, TikTok is don't yuck somebody's yum. So I'm not going to do that. I was confused by the the pumpkin spice Alfredo sauce. I'll t- I'll just I'll just put it that the, way. The one that got me was the pumpkin spice hummus. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And I don't know that anyone's yumming that. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe if any of and, our listeners have picked it up and they like it, let us know. And, and I'm not one to just say things I don't like. So I, I don't think I'm somebody that continuously yucks a yum. Yeah. But I also am not going to lie if I don't like something. Yeah. And that sounds disturbing to me. Well, here's the thing to me. I like pumpkin. And I like pumpkin-flavored things. Actual pumpkin? Uh, yeah, like uh, pumpkin ravioli is good with sage butter, even though I can't eat butter anymore. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I like squash, and pumpkin is a squash. I like squ- pumpkin in a savory application. I like it in a sweet application, like a pumpkin pie. You like it on the front porch. I do. I love them. <laughs> However, I find the... Pumpkin spice is not pumpkin. No. And that's the thing that I'm very confused about because pumpkin spice is like cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, 
allspice. There's probably another one right. that goes in there, but at least those four things, which are more sweet. They are in sweeter applications of pumpkin. So when you say something as pumpkin spice, and then you attach it to a savory thing like hummus, traditionally hummus. I know they make chocolate hummus, but or pumpkin spice Alfredo, that's where the confusion comes in. Yeah. So I was going to mention uh, this week that uh, Norm MacDonald died. Yeah. Um, and I've loved Norm MacDonald forever. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Oh, good. It's sad. But yeah. um, he, he uh, I always thought he was one of the funniest stand-up comedians. Um, and we we have liked him since the before he was on Saturday Night Live, there were clips for him from him on Short Attention Span Theater yeah. that we used to watch of him talking about uh, somebody who was a serial killer whose dog told him to do it, and then his best friend goes, "No, it was me, Steve." <laughs> <laughs> and he's well, like, we, we "Oh." Also, we also um, watched him. He had a sitcom called Norm, and the guy, the dad from Elf, was on it. Yeah, that was in the late nineties. That wasn't on very long, though. No, but uh, yeah. So I will. Uh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, the two things I would watch for stress relief were uh, Jiminy Glick episodes, yeah. the Martin Short character, and every Norm Macdonald interview clip uh that i could find and also his podcast so so shout out to norm mcdonald was there one um one clip or bit that just you would like to recommend to any of our listeners that Um, maybe aren't that familiar with him all the all of his stuff is good i i enjoyed the moth joke on conan o'brien i think i had you watch that too (laughs) um he's a, a all of his stuff is just super funny yeah so i don't really have one in particular just any of them are good and as i was saying to you today i think one of the reasons i liked him so much is he would start telling a story or a joke and you would think he didn't know what he was doing and so audiences would get more and more nervous as they yeah. would listen to him talk. anxious because he'd anxious, go on yeah because he'd go on and then they would realize he was coming in for the landing and by the time he did it was all even more funny because yeah. they realized he knew exactly what he was doing yeah. the whole time. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, like, something that I just loved about him was, you know, I don't think all of his humor would be appropriate today. Um, no. But he did not back down when he was the anchor on the weekend update on Saturday Night Live. He got so much pressure um, from the executives at NBC, not necessarily not necessarily from SNL, but NBC, when um, the OJ trials were happening and even before the trial. And he just was like going so relentless. hard and relentless. Like um, in one of his jokes, when um, OJ was found not guilty, um, and I'm not going to d- deliver it well, was his joke was, well, now they, um, breaking, re- breaking news, they just uh, made murder legal in California. Which, yeah. 
And then he got fired yeah. because of that, <laughs> which is so wrong. But yeah, he was he was something. You got to see him in person. I did, which was really good. Because yeah. talk about uh, being able to see him experiment with not knowing what he was doing. Because some of his jokes weren't really even fully formed yet. And he did. He talked for like probably forty five minutes about uh, being on death row which I've never seen in any recorded comedy stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't know if he ever even finished it. Yeah. Some of it was really funny. Some of it was not that funny. But he just kept going because the audience was enjoying him yeah. just talking. So he just kept going, and he's like, he said he was going to go longer that night, and he did. He talked. That whole show was probably an hour and a half. That's long. I mean, for, for stand-up, that's a very long time. Yeah, and he yeah. did great. Like He did a really good, yeah. solid half hour, 45 minutes, and then went into the death row stuff and basically said you can leave if you want to and yeah of course the club said well there's a comedian after you like we want people to stay and he was like no i don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it was a small venue too yeah it was pretty small yeah yeah so that was but that was really fun it was great to see him and you know be able to um, be a part of that and then you went on a morgan freeman serial killer movie extravaganza well i i kind of have i you know because i do the elliptical um i'm always looking for new content and i do have new content now but sometimes i just get burnt out and so i revisited (laughs) i revisited um david fincher fincher um (laughs) <laughs> this week and watched uh the girl with the dragon tattoo right and then after it, it was a great movie it yeah. really is a good movie um it it wasn't what i remembered um but it was a great movie and then i was like okay so what came up next in my queue was like kiss the girls this morgan um uh morgan freeman. freeman i almost said fairchild Ashley Judd movie from the 90s, mid-90s. And then um, I was telling you about that and how I watched uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I was just going to say, you did the David Fincher movie and then you did the Morgan Freeman movie and then we decided to watch the David Fincher, Morgan Freeman movie. We sure did. They What'd came together into Seven. Um, I like the movie Seven. It. I don't think it's... Uh, the tone of it has aged that well because it almost seems like a parody of that kind of movie now, even though it was one of the originals of that kind of movie. Right. Um, and uh, I like, in retrospect, I like the fact that the uh, killer character isn't in most of the movie. Yeah. Because now I think he would be seen as heroic, like the Joker in that Joker movie. Oh. Where he has been wronged by society and he wants to teach them a lesson so he would be seen as like a heroic figure because he was trying to do some crazy thing that i don't understand yeah and he saw things as relentlessly dark so i think people would think that they identified with him but and i don't think that i think that by only having him at the end of the movie it kind of short circuits that because he comes off as just like a really weird creepy character I also think having Kevin Spacey play him, after what we know about Kevin yeah. Spacey now, you're like, ooh. Well, the thing that kind of made me feel like it was a parody movie, even though it was one of the cutting-edge films of that genre, was that 
the rain was another character in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, at first I was like, oh my gosh, that fake rain is so distracting. And then it became more and more distracting to the point where I was le- I was giggling when the sun is like, sh- like blinding them. And then these buckets, uh, the, the rain was a, th- a third or fourth character in the film. Yeah. And for the beginning of the movie, and I'm sure this was a choice, they... Um, basically made the outside street noises of New York part of every scene, even if people were just, like, in their apartment in bed. Yeah. You could hear the people in the apartments next door. You could hear all the cars outside. And then Morgan Friedman goes to Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow's apartment for dinner and laughs. And at that point, they stop including all the sounds Oh, once it's acknowledged by Morgan. Yeah, once it's acknowledged by Morgan Freeman. They they still do things specifically, like one of the running jokes is uh, in Brad Pitt's apartment, the subway goes by every five minutes, and they still include that Mm -hmm. part of it. But they don't necessarily have every street noise (laughs) in every scene. Watching it again, I only watched it twice back in the 90s and now. It definitely feels real ham-handed. Yeah. And I I have to say, um, what a difference 20 years makes, because Nightcrawler is just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Well, it's interesting, too, because I think think that that movie really set the tone for a lot of other movies like that. Um, And it's just so dark, noisy, and relentlessly... Violent, even though most yeah. of the violence in that is kind of more him talking about it than actually doing it. Yeah. But some of it, when they talk about um, him torturing somebody for a year, which is one of the plot points, yeah. they say it in a very serious way, but it sounds so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like it, because it's like, it's like so much planning went into the, his crimes that it was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and there's no way he could have pulled off everything that they say he pulled Especially off. Especially because he's Kevin Spacey with no hair. Like, yeah. talk about seeing what his hairline really is. So. <laughs> but can I also say it felt, you know how I always say I love Homicide Life on the Killing Streets, the TV show from the 90s. Yes. It's still a great show. Um but watching Seven felt like it was almost as though it was presented as a stage production. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a mouse wearing giant overalls, but it, <laughs> it, it read like a stage production. And I think a lot of um, f- like dramas and from that era, the early 90s to the mid 90s, had that actorly kind of thing going on. Yeah. We just watched... What was that um, movie we recently watched about the serial killer that was set back in that time period? It was called The Little Things. And um, it was interesting in the sense that uh, it was written back in the 90s and they didn't record or they didn't make it into a movie until now. So it had all the cliches from that time period, including an ending out in the middle of nowhere where the detective is supposed to get suckered into the the murder, just like Seven did. So weird, I don't remember. The only part of the movie I remember was 
Denzel Washington kind of played the same character he has been playing lately, like a cop or a sheriff mm-hmm. that's kind of grouchy. Um, but didn't they update it where they had cell phones or no, they didn't have cell phones. I can't No, remember. it was okay. set in the early 1990s. Okay. But it was very, and Rami Malek was in it. Oh yeah. I really like him. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but it was very much of the seven ilk. It would look like it was written the day after they, somebody saw seven. <laughs> yeah. And then people were like, this is a little seven-esque. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> we should hold it. We should hold it. And then like, uh, 30 years later, they were like, now's the time. They're like, wait a minute. I think we put that in the deep freezer with the pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Have Denzel Washington put on his mouse clothes and come out and do this. Perform. Yeah. And perform this. Mm-hmm. So that was part of my read on it. What did you end up thinking about it after watching Seven again? I kind of like what I said, like what I said, that it yeah. felt very stage performance-y. Um, did you enjoy it, though? Yeah, it was a little long for me. I, I think I could wait another 20 years and watch it again. I did. I do love the fact that at that time, and I think I said this earlier to you when we were on our walk, like... I didn't see the movies at that period in time of being like a genre. Mm -hmm. And now it so is. And it's kind of interesting to go back and watch movies made during that time um, and see like the pacing and how they're at or how it's directed maybe as well as the cinematography Mm -hmm. because it's very like, it's very telling of that moment. Yeah. And the next one, that either you were going to watch or we were going to watch together was the Sigourney Weaver movie Copycat. I think I want to watch that one next. Yeah. So we'll go back through all the serial movies of the uh, early to mid-90s. Sounds good. (laughs) I think Seven and Copycat were both released in 1995. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It was right then when it was all coming to a head. Mm Anything else you wanted to talk about? I think we're sad. I'm going to go um, try to clean my new overalls. Right. <laughs> I love you. you. You do? I do. I love you too. All right. Bye. bye. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And to read our show notes, sign up for our newsletter at bafflingcyclops.com.